1: This is a Real Ones production, episode number 48, House of the Dragon, episode one. Yo, what's up? Real Ones here, episode number 48. Uh, I think I'm going to count these towards the overall episode count. I feel like I have to. My name is Kieran Bergen, back here with you guys for another episode. Uh, Cody Polson is going to be joining me because we are doing a very special episode. I guess a series of very special episodes. We, of course, if you're looking at the podcast title, you can see that we are talking about the first episode of House of the Dragon, and we are going to try to go through the entire Season of House of the Dragon as the episodes are released. This is going to be an initial reaction podcast. So these podcasts are not going to be very long. I'm aiming for about 30 minutes of content with myself and Cody, not including um, the intros to these podcasts. So, you know, we're going to get on here. We're going to talk about what we thought of the episode, maybe some predictions towards the next episode. If you guys have questions that you guys want to ask us, we'll answer them at the end of each podcast. Um, you know, we're just become like really excited for game of this game of thrones series because me and cody have such a relationship to the original series of game of thrones we did instant reactions and deep dive podcasts and prediction episodes when we had the original comic losers podcast um podcast feed we did that with Lindsay. so much fun um i'd love to get her back on maybe for a season recap but you know we, we had so much fun with Game of Thrones over those years. I know the last couple of seasons weren't great, and me and Cody have talked about those a couple of seasons um, a lot on this podcast feed, but we, um, we're excited about this one. I, I got excited when the trailer started coming out. Cody's really gotten excited the last couple of weeks. It's just nice to be uh, back in Westeros and back in King's Landing and, and really kind of back in this world, so... We're excited to kind of go on the journey. Me and Cody are going to watch these episodes together in person, and then we're going to walk into his office and record episodes, like I said, 30 minutes, hopefully max, not including these intros that I'm doing. And, uh, you know, week to week we'll do it. I'm not sure what we're going to do when Rings of Power comes out. I mean, I think we might do instant reactions for that series as well. I'm not even sure what days of the week those podcasts or these, those uh, episodes come out, but Hopefully not the same day. That would be absolutely tragic. We probably would not do instant reactions of Rings of Power. But we'll, we'll do instant reactions all the way through House of the Dragon. And then um, we'll do an, a big overall episode when uh, this series finally ends. Um, or the season ends, excuse me. So yeah, that's basically what we're going to be doing here on this podcast feed. You know, we'll still have some regular movie podcasts as well. We're just going to sprinkle this in. Throughout the week, uh, excited to talk about House of the Dragon and be, have something to basically theorize for. Some programming reminders before we get into the episode with myself and Cody and House of the Dragon. Um, just as a reminder, the previous episode on the podcast feed is my top 10 movies of 2022 so far. So uh, I went through my, my list, went through the top 10. is just so far. Obviously, by the end of the year, they will change as more movies come out and I see more movies. So there's still movies I have to catch up on. Um, so that's in the podcast feed right now. Obviously, you're listening to this podcast right now. The House of Dragon episode one later on in the week. Um, oh yeah, and by the way, these House of Dragon episodes will be in your podcast feed by Monday morning. So when you wake up on Monday morning, you should have this podcast in there ready to listen to what we think about after the Sunday night episodes. But yes, so this is in your podcast feed right now. The next episode that you're going to see is going to be a big catch-up podcast. I'm hoping to have myself, Cody Paulson, obviously again. Joe Pilon going to come on and talk some movies with me, and hopefully I can be able to get Ryan Snelling as of me recording this. I have not asked him yet, um, but hopefully I can get him on because I know there's some movies that he's seen that Cody and Joe haven't seen that I've also seen that I want uh, to talk about here on the podcast feed. So we're going to do a big movie podcast catch up, and then we'll we'll continue back on with the more House of the Dragon episode. So thank you guys for listening. And with that being said, let's go ahead and kick it over to myself and Cody talking about House of the Dragon episode number one. Alright, and we are back here on the podcast to talk about the first episode of House of Dragon Hot D. Joining me here, Cody Polson. We did a lot of Game of Thrones stuff together on podcast and YouTube over the years, and uh, we're back here to talk about Game of Thrones once again. It's been three years since we've like legitimately had something new to talk about with Game of Thrones. Doesn't so.
0: seem that long. I it?
1: know. It was like May of 20, April to May of 2019. Mm-hmm. We were in the, the heights of, of fandom. Uh, we had Endgame coming out. We had Rise of Skywalker at the end of the year. We had Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, only Endgame really lived up to the the billing. Um, but we're here to talk about it. We've bitched about Game of Thrones for three years. And I guess my first question here before we get into the actual episode is, I guess, I'm wondering, Cody, your feelings on being back in the world of Westeros, King's Landing, after this time off, after the disappointment that you and me felt for the finale of Game of Thrones. How was it for you to be back in the world of Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon?
0: It felt nice. Uh, I'd say we were, um, what's acceptance? That's the final stage of grief. Right, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I if I start to like go down the rabbit hole of thinking about like like you kind of got some imagery in this first episode of the like the Red Keep, you know, the mind starts to wander and the wound is still fresh from the terrible ending. <clears throat> but based on like you know what I've come to realize is especially after uh, I was I really wasn't that that skeptical of the quality of the show. I had a feeling it would be a pretty. Good at least show that I would have interest in watching, uh, especially since there's the Fire and Blood book and something to draw on. And, and you hear that Martin's involved, you you kind of have faith still. Uh, Dan and Dave aren't anywhere near it, so gives you a, a, a more of a sense that it's going to be pretty reliable.
1: Right. You have Miguel directing the episode, right? So pa- returning. Uh,
0: I think he's directing what like half the uh, yeah. episodes. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, basically um, show running and directing half the episodes with uh, Mike- Michael Condon. So yeah. And so yeah, there was a. I always knew there was going to be a lot to, to like. I guess I was just still so indifferent with the main kind of storyline, like our, our main heroes uh, being done. Uh, that said, now that we've seen one episode, you know, just one, so it could still turn into an absolute shit show. But uh, that one episode got me hooked. Uh, you know, not in, in the game of. Thrones world necessarily, but just this particular story. Uh, Because I, though I own Fire uh, and Blood, I want to say it came out like right before season. It did. Right, it did. I I probably would have gotten to it had season eight been been good, but I especially didn't touch it. Uh, I'm sure I read like summaries, you know, watched videos on it at that time, but I had kind of just like let Game of Thrones drift from my mind, you know. I, I. Sure, I could remember a lot of the fine details of that series and of the world, but uh, having now been three and a half years removed, enough t- time has passed to where I can go in with pretty fresh eyes. Uh, you know, a a, a good uh, base for what this world is, and and just watch it for what it is. You know, not trying to uh, to prejudge it like a lot of people do with uh, many different series, movies that we have these days. And yeah, I gotta say, like it, it nailed the tone, um, top to bottom. It was it was a, a great episode with the the score, how they reintroduced the world, the acting, uh, the political drama. There's a lot of things at play out of the gate. Um, unique to this episode, and I'll cut myself off here. Uh, was the the little prologue um, that yeah just does an excellent job of. Making this feel wholly unique, like it, it, like a fully formed story, right? It doesn't. You're, you're not rolling your eyes and going, "Oh gosh, is uh, is this going to be just a a prequel?" That kind of word has like a bad connotation due to like Star Wars. Right. Is this just going to be like more of the same, just less important? Where no, it it felt wholly unique, yet still has the laying the breadcrumbs for the series Game of Thrones later.
1: Yeah, I think. I, you know, I know everybody did not like the ending of Game of Thrones and you and me especially and we podcasted through our feelings at the time we were doing like two podcasts a week. We went through that whole thing and I remember you and me kind of leaving that and we we're just like, "Yeah, we're, we're just kind of done with this and yeah. I don't know if we'll ever return back to it. it was painful. It right? was yeah, no, I mean I. I will vividly forever remember the look that you and me gave each other after episode three, the long night episode. And we just looked at each other and were like, that was kind of shit. Like, that's, that's how that's ending. I'll never forget it. But, you know, like you said, time kind of heals wounds. And you kind of remember, yeah, the ending was awful. But then you kind of remember there was a lot of awesome shit that happened in Game of Thrones. And a lot of these trailers came out and I got excited for it. And like you said, it was just nice to kind of be back, you know, in the world and in king's landing in you know the red keep and all of these places and you're just kind of like oh yeah i remember this and i remember that and Mm. and like you said this story does feel wholly unique in the sense that a lot of like prequels or sequels will be like how many nods to the original series and there are nods like there are imagery like you said that i was like the dragon flying over king's landing in the beginning or you kind of get the tones of like the theme of the of game of thrones in it and i was like i didn't mind that stuff because i was like it's it's clever enough to where it's not hidden you over the head like i don't feel like i'm going to see like like a vision of bran looking back in the past right at what's happening now which i don't want that keep that shit
0: well what i realized too is we really had <clears throat> just a tiny sample of Targaryen, so it almost sounds even the name Targaryen compared to well, that's not true. Something like Stark is simple enough, but I guess Baratheon sounds kind of like um, silly Mm -hmm. name wise. But I I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is Targaryen. We we had Danny, who was kind of uh, new to the world until she you know seasons uh right. four or five and then beyond she kind of finds her her strength and, and she
1: basically identified her own version of targaryen lore because she didn't have yes this past except for her brother and,
0: and half of her kind of history was like or, or or half of her like who she was i guess uh, born again you could say was like dothraki in nature too exactly yeah and then her brother was just a cunt um yeah fuck him and uh crown for a golden crown for a king or whatever great uh, great yeah whatever cal drago says uh anywho um yeah to your point it's not like we're getting one for one characters like oh this is this version of 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 davos and this version of of robert baratheon this version of joffrey it feels like a, a history that we're just peering into and and they did a great job of uh of making the targaryens at play um unique characters for an hour of television that was Mm -hmm. a tall order and uh i still can't you know claim i know the exact familial lines and remember all the names exactly but that's also what makes it feel quite vivid and real
1: right And i think like this episode it had a lot of pressure on it because it really did have to do a lot to win over Game of Thrones fans. And I know a lot of them were just gonna check this out, but I mean, if this episode was garbage, how many are gonna return? It's just like, oh, this is just the new Game of Thrones. Hmm. And so I felt like I felt confident going in. It seemed like it was gonna be good. I liked the trailers and stuff. And and look, I really liked the episode. And I, I kind of texted this to you during the week. The episode felt confident. It
0: mm-hmm. didn't feel like
1: it was on its back heels or anything like that. It wasn't afraid to throw out Game of Thrones references or imagery or sounds while also it felt confident in this new story. And I feel like that's a lot of like the Martin influence on it to where they know the beginning and they know the end of the story. It's all completed. There's no books to be written about it. It's completed. We know what's going to happen. And his influence, as well as previous people who have worked on these episodes and just an amazing cast of, of people, it just seems like there's a lot of success in this show. And so, like you said, it's one episode. We might get to the end and be like, man, why can't all those episodes be like the first one? Right. But hey, you, man, have, to be, you season, have to be happy where we are so far.
0: Season eight started off pretty good, eh? I mean, a, a decent intro episode. Then we had the, the knighting ceremony yeah. of Brienne. And that then,
1: second episode was really bam. good. And then it just all went downhill.
0: Well, Martin, you know, uh, him being involved, obviously a, a great thing. It, he seemed to have maybe had a... Hand- hand-picked uh at least the main showrunner um what's his name again michael something or another yep. pull it up i feel like he uh was involved in the last uh in game of thrones maybe as a director of certain episodes but and we won't delve into this i'm sure we've podcasted about it before because we talk about it often enough but you know we we constantly mention what went wrong with uh with george and dan and dave to where there was such a level of disconnect
1: so it's ryan condal and ryan. miguel Sipachnik.
0: yeah ryan ryan condal
1: yeah they are both show
0: running the show In fact, like we pronounced his name wrong uh every time we said it probably uh, what's uh let's delve into that imdb a bit further what else did he do
1: uh well i did not pull up the imdb it was just like you the first s- it was just the first thing on google i will pull up i'll be pulling up as i'm
0: talking about it but uh, I just I wonder, it's more than just the books not being done because even like Fire and Blood is, um, I've dabbled in the, in the pages and it it's it's like a, a historical um, book from the perspective of different people like it's not written like the story of Game of Thrones is, so it's really just like the framework, and then all the character nuances, the the dialogue that's filled in by these other writers. Um, you know what makes the show great is uh these other people contributing to george's vision um and we've just gone back and forth you and i like just, just george did he just tell dan and dave the big beats and nothing else in between uh, was there so much different from what the show became to what he didn't write to where there was just no uh, mending and you know meeting in the middle to make seasons five through eight more fleshed out we've gone back and forth a ton but it seems that, because uh, George did allow Dan and Dave to adapt uh, Game of Thrones, it seems like he's starting off just as strong with uh, with these showrunners.
1: Yeah, so uh, Ryan Condell, who we were talking about, um, I think he did some stuff with, with Highlander, which was a very popular show, a TV series called Colony, and then he uh, worked with our boy... Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, as a screenwriter for Hercules and Rampage.
0: Oh god. Maybe we should be worried. George <laughs>
1: Just Rampage, just a ridiculous movie.
0: Here the screenplay for it, fuck.
1: Yeah. Um but no, yeah, like I, I tend to agree with you. Well, like don't
0: I yeah, if you're listening to this, don't look at Ryan Condal's IMDB, I guess. <laughs> I'm i scrolling through it now. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like it. a
1: creator for the show with 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 george he's a, hey, a, set uh, as a creator
0: there's certain things certain people know a lot about and are great at right i mean
1: i mean that that show colony that he he was a part of i i have heard like good things about that show before so maybe just a good tv showrunner maybe we need to
0: oprah sit down with dan and dave because you know they did do a hell of a job adapting yes. a fully fleshed out book
1: yes I mean, look, there will be one day where there'll be an amazing documentary made about the behind-the-scenes Game of Thrones, and I will be tuned in because I, I just hope, need to know what the fuck happened.
0: But I don't know though. The heck, they're they're just disappearing, uh, make uh, all, old shows and, and movies off HBO with, uh, on a whim.
1: Yeah. Well, Dan and Dave just took the bag and got the bag from Netflix and have I think made almost nothing for him. Took like three hundred million dollars.
0: No, Hell. If I were them, I'd probably just disappear. T- disappear and enjoy what you did do well, the money you've earned, because they would fairly get a lot of criticism, but, I mean, who would want to face that level of of hate? That's why George didn't make, like, any more movies. <laughs> or books. He's afraid of make a book. Oh, uh, uh, Lucas, I meant. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. George Martin, sorry.
0: Martin's uh Hey, tip of the cap to him because he's, you know, he gets shit every single day about finishing, and he's just hey,
1: doesn't give a fuck, making yeah. money. Um, so yeah, let's just talk about a few of the the main points of this uh, of this episode. You know, this these podcasts aren't going to be extremely long, but and we'll talk more in depth at the end end of the season. But you know. Where should we start, Cody? Because like, I think there's multiple spots. We could talk about the end of the episode, the, hmm. the conversation between Viserys and Rhaenyra. We could talk about Matt Smith's character, Daemon. We could talk about the joust and the birthing. We could talk about the opening of the episode. Where do you think is like the most important thing to kind of start?
0: I think we should do the, the Targaryen uh, family specifically. So okay. we can start with uh, Daemon, I suppose.
1: Yeah, Damon, you know, played by Matt Smith, uh, just a, you know, re- you know, he played a ridiculous character. Oh, my goodness.
0: Seems like he's been given a tough break since, like, Doctor Who. Like, I, I felt like he's been in, obviously, Morbius didn't, uh, didn't do uh, very well.
1: I saw Morbius this year, and he was the only person that felt like was having a complete blast in the movie. Played a ridiculous character.
0: To me, he was, Doctor. I'd never seen him in anything, I don't believe that I recall anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's
1: in the crown. He's in, I've seen him in the crown and like Morbius and like some episodes so I, of Dr. Who. I knew
0: him as Dr. Who guy. Yeah. Um, but he felt like, a. had he been written as, as like a tyrannical Joffrey type, I think he would have been boring, mm-hmm. but he was clearly written as kind of just a bit of a wise ass, but confident in himself and not in like a faux confidence. Like, uh, he, he, clearly cares about his family yes, um yes. to certain levels i think he was uh, just honest with his, his brother i think he wants to rule now whether or not he would be a monster or he's just kind of a, a heavy-handed prick to be determined i guess but yeah they already set up you know he's sitting on the throne um, a vi- visual metaphor there for his desire, uh, his his relationship. Looks the throne with his...
1: looks fucking cool. The oh, expanded yeah. nature of the throne, the fact that it's like causing wounds at the king, right? I think is like really cool. But go ahead,
0: sorry. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the part about like the, the show that just feels like a like things change over time, like decor and and just designs and yeah. Again, it feels like a like this is actually 172 years earlier whatever right but his relationship um with his niece i guess uh it feels like they've got a a yes close connection almost like uh, there might be some sexual tension there uh but also he helps her out and you know being like a strong in that moment where they're burning the
1: pyre i love that like a lot of their conversations that they have is basically in like valyrian they really don't have like a lot of like one-on-one English speaking conversation. They have that conversation in the throne room in Valyrian at the funeral Valyrian as well.
0: Another reason why it just makes it feel like such a lived in real world. I wish star Wars would take more of an example from like game of thrones where you have so many races and in different languages Mm -hmm. like incorporate that into your, your writing, um, it just is impressive. Like, that's an entire language that some dude, uh, like completely made up, like that right. in Dothraki.
1: Dothraki, yeah.
0: But, yeah, then you have, uh, I mean, uh, she's in it brief. She has the, the child and then passes on. Um, uh, Patty Constant- Constantine, I think. Patty? Yep. Patty, mm, Constantine? Patty, yeah. See, I know him from, uh, Hot Fuzz, which is the, uh, yeah. Been a popular, just, he's uh, in, like, so many things. Um, he was in, uh, all three of that uh, cornetto trilogy from Edgar Wright, but I, I knew him as being a comedic actor in, in Hot Fuzz predominantly, and so the show's so well acted, you just in written you buy in immediately that he's this kind of compassionate king, um, but much like the real world, uh, in times of peace, you know, eventually people stir things up, and uh, the the drama of the, the throne and who's gonna get it. Uh, is there in spades uh, with all the you know the, the queen that ever was the the now death of an heir and how he wanted um, a male heir. There's just like the drama uh, is is there um, in every way, shape, and form. It seems
1: with with, with Damon, I really like you. Kind of touched on it there. He's not this like mustache twirling villain that a lot of ways like Joffrey was mm. or um, like, like the Boltons was or like Ramsay. Yeah, he's probably just like a dickhead who probably is like arrogant or whatever, but he does have like genuine mm. feelings to him. Like I do think that he feels for his brother and that he cares about his niece and he cares about his family name. And he's not just like this like selfish, maniacal villain.
0: What I like too is all the Targaryens... Like, Danny was, like, even with her dragon, kind of... She was inexperienced. She didn't know Westeros. She was a threat, but not really to a lot of of lords. And Robert was a drunk when we we first meet him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had children uh, on the throne. We've got, like, fully uh, capable, um, um, experienced uh, leaders. And... uh, (coughs) wait what's i'm trying to think is viscerus is that's who's the king viscerus viscerus or no yeah. that was the old man king
1: viscerus is the king who's who's sitting on the throne now
0: patty Constantine's. King. yeah okay i need i'll look up jaharis, but, I think, jaharis i think jaharis i think is the old who king. was also the name of the mad king maybe right So i'm gonna really uh i'm gonna be really happy when if the show continues to be good uh, memorizing this entire we need to yeah
1: we need to dive in before the uh So he is King Viserys Targaryen, Patty Constantine's character.
0: Um, There is just more of an an immediate uh, threat, particularly if they're not written to be mustache-twirling, as you say. There's an immediate viable threat where you can believe that they are not only skilled at combat politics, they have allies. Um, There's just so much there that's uh, quite unlike... Game of Thrones. The main conflict of that is Bran got pushed out a, a window, which kind of stirred the pot, and then Ned gets captured, mm-hmm. and it's, a lot of it's manipulated by just people kind of in the background. Where these are, there's several powerhouse beings at the forefront um, of this conflict, and so I am excited to see where it goes. I, uh, I think we all loved Game of Thrones because of the characters. Of course, there's so many that are unique. And have their own motivations. I feel like you got the sense that things weren't as maybe epic in scale in those earlier seasons. Where this kind of starts off epic. But not in like a good versus evil way. But in a just political maneuvering. And um, just a, a, a conflict way. You know it's not... By the time Game of Thrones became ep- epic it was like oh it's what's well, going to be this fight against... Song of Ice and Fire the White Walkers and the Dragons where this is just like epic in that it's Targaryen on Targaryen and uh, how the heck are again the world feels I don't know like more capable somehow of of maybe potentially trying to undermine the Targaryens Mm -hmm. I don't know it just uh, we're far enough away to where it feels like you can really go in a million different directions even though it is a familiar world
1: Right, and like I just want to correct. Like I said, Viserys is the one who's sitting on the old throne or the current throne now. Yes. Jaharis is the one who's the old king, and I yeah. I remember hearing a couple of like people talk about the book or whatever. These are kings who have sat on the throne. Like Jaharis is known as like the old king, forty
0: something years. Yeah,
1: like. and he like outlived all his male heirs. They all died, and that's why everything kind of happens the way it does. Yeah, um, you know, and Viserys is like sat on the throne for nine years now. Like these are people who have sat on the throne for a long time how long did robert sit on it before he died in game of thrones roughly i
0: think 13 years or so. 13 years so
1: he's the only person who sat on it for a significant maybe, portion of time
0: maybe that's the book length 13 or 14 years i think right. in the show it's the equivalent of like 18 17 i think Snow yeah. is supposed to be like 17 18 in the, right. the show. right that makes sense two decades nearly
1: yeah exactly so you know And everybody else is basically on it. what feels like a year, two years, and they're all basically like killed off and die, whatever. But, you know, Viserys is like an interesting character, I think, in the show as as somebody who obsessed with this like succession plan of like the way that he became king, Hmm. him not having a male heir, the pressure that he puts on his wife to bear a son and yeah. him talking about these dreams that he's having and how real they are and like the effect that it has on Rhaenyra as a, as a character as well. You see that, that maybe she doesn't have this, like she has an amazing connection with her mother. She's constantly checking in with her mother and mm. how's she doing, how's she doing? She may not have the best relationship with her father. Right. And that you see that even after her mother dies, how she says, you haven't talked to me at all since mother's funeral. Like, It all affects, like, little decisions that the show's already done in the first episode affecting characters' motivations and the way they feel towards other characters. Very prevalent. Very good in the show.
0: Really well handled because we've we've laid the foundation for those conversations to come between, you know, the daughter and then those private moments. Remember, like, season one, Cersei and and Robert have that that private moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Really, just adds a lot of depth to their characters. We, we've laid right. the foundation to where now. I don't know about Damon; um, he flew off, so I don't know if he's coming back sooner than later. What the deal is there, but uh, I am curious. Uh, the really the one thing I won't even say I disliked it, but I was I was just very curious as to why it was included. The part about the dreams, and this can go into perhaps why you know uh Viserys didn't want is uh, it Rain, Rain Raina? Renira. Renira. Yeah. Perhaps to rule. He, he had the, the the vision that he was going to have a male heir and then that also it, that one that was passed down to him against or from uh you know his ancestors about the white walker threat. I'm curious as to if, uh, four days removed now from the episode do you like that less like it more indifferent? Why include it? Because you know people, ninety nine percent of people are disappointed with how that ends. Is that just what George? You know, say the say the books come out and they're fucking awesome and the White Walkers are done justice. Are we just trying to make the best product now, ignoring how Game of Thrones ended? Um, was that a something George wanted to right the wrong of? Do they? Are we going to go in, even into that more at all, or is that just like a little? uh little way to connect the two series it seems like a major thing to kind of just like not touch on and not be a major part in their um their motivations
1: yeah it's it's probably i think for people who really are into the lore of game of thrones that's probably the most shocking part of the episode cuz i don't think that's a part of any of the books that whole like passage like the only people who know this apocalyptic threat Winter is coming is king to air and then so on and so forth i'm curious to see how much of that plays a part in the series as a whole now this could just be i could just see this as like martin deciding i want to put some sort of like new thing into the show to make it kind of pop a little bit i'm not entirely sure because we know for the sake of this show white walker's Winter is just not going to play a part of it, really hmm. at all. Um, I'm just wondering—is that like a new storyline? Because for me, it's kind of like, what's, where does it end? Because it seems right. like it probably, like this idea ended with uh, my my Targaryen is is off. Rhaegar, He's Prince war- Rhaegar, yeah, right, who was killed. Um, by Robert, right? And so maybe battle know, the Trident. Yes, he didn't have the possibility to pass that down to his heir. He might have that might have died with him. And so I'm just wondering: is this? I, I really that's that's probably the biggest question to me. Like, I really just wonder why Gooby get out of here, just George and
0: Mike. T- go,
1: go, Gooby boys, send away. Mud. Why? Why that's basically included into the show
0: at the very least it serves to like distract from as a it's a distraction plain and simple but then also like i think it could possibly hinder uh Renera
1: Renera Rani- god damn it Renere
0: it could possibly hinder like i don't want her motivation to be like well dad chose me but also i know i have to you know, follow through with this because of some epic vision. I think the show would be richer if it was... My dad chose me, but I'm... I can... It's like her own self-motivation. I, that just really scares me, the, uh, the White Walker connection, because that thread is so goddamn far off. Unless we get something adding more context to what the hell they are, or we get, like, earlier blood ravens, or some kind of explanation to something. I don't see how it... Hell, maybe we jump like, you know, there's the, the magic element. We, For all we know, we go to Valyria. We, we get a vision of post-Game of Thrones. To, we, Perhaps the Night King was just a, a, a soldier with a large army. Perhaps the main culture is still up. You know, we don't know. But it only serves to have us be, like, asking those questions as opposed to talking specifically about the, the drama of the the Targaryens and what's going on at King's Landing. Right. It's just,
1: it's, it is like a little bit of a, like a peculiar, peculiar, can't say this word, peculiar decision to put into the show. And I, if it goes, if we go to the end of the series and there's nothing really about winter and what comes, I will just kind of be like, is this something that's basically setting up another series? Hmm another series that George wants to create, you know, in like, you know, a Targaryen civil war show of some sort or whatever. That's what I'm
0: kind of wondering. But wouldn't that, at that point, isn't it just like, we're filling in hundreds of years of gaps of like the same, like kind of like hints, like just hinting at the threat. Like we've seen the threat, like, uh, yeah. uh, And as far as like the, uh, the, the other shows kind of on the table go, that's what I'm, I'm so curious about Blood Moon, whether it was terrible or not. What was what was the story about 8,000 years ago? Because mm-hmm. involving the Long Night, I understand, you. you we talked earlier, you, know, you mentioned, oh, well, maybe it was too similar to Game yeah. of Thrones. I get that, but it seems like you, that, that was a reason to cancel that show along with maybe how bad it was maybe it was written or whatever the reasons were. It just seems like this is a big, and maybe it, nothing comes of it, And we forget it nine episodes later. But like the music swelled towards the end and it was like a touching scene. It's just curious. That's all I'll say about it.
1: It is. And I like I said, I think that this is like a storyline that you and me will revisit five episodes down the line and we'll be kind of like, is this important still or is this not? And like, could this just be simply something that just kind of Makes Rhaenyra different than Damon. The fact that she knows this information and he doesn't.
0: There's already some uh, some conspiracy theories, like you know, there's a God's Wood and King's Landing is is that fucker Bran looking back, like, yeah, yeah. I'm on board with making that motherfucker like an all-seeing, all-knowing uh, villain that Jon yeah. Snow's got to come back south for.
1: He turns into the next version of the Night King, which everybody thought he was going to be somehow or whatever.
0: Why not? Uh, one thing that intrigues me: Valyria in general. We saw uh, uh, Viserys uh, making the the, the, the Lego uh, sets of uh, the Valyrian free <laughs> There's Freehold. no way he made that.
1: By the way, he had stonemason people. You come know, in we're, do that shit. There's no we're,
0: way. We're much closer to the doom of Valyria than we are Game of Thrones. Um, and we have the the ancestor uh Cor- corliss or something like that mm-hmm. um the queen that never was his husband yeah yes got a mighty fleet um got the silver hair they were like the the top dogs over in that uh, part of the world that's what intrigues me more than anything um and if we ignore the white walker element like there's so much east we could get into i mean i don't even think the dothraki not to, the' the Dothraki I think are around at this point, but um, there's so much like like farther east that we've like a shy has been mentioned so much like that would be really neat to see mm-hmm. on screen. Um, yeah, they're they're uh, without uh, ignoring the tangent we went on about the the long night and all that and the setup for it. This show really does have a ton of uh, just world building, continued world building in episode one that um i just makes you excited for for future episodes not just for the targaryen conflict but families are in different positions there's a new family the high towers like what's what's their angle how come they're not around in in a, in a game of thrones
1: the high towers are are very interesting to me and I didn't, that auto high tower is
0: that was, uh, what's his name? R- Reen Yeah, the guy who played the the lizard from... Yeah, right, right. From Amazing I didn't Spider-Man. recognize him at first. I did first. not recognize
1: him until I saw him in the cast. I was like, that's insane. Yeah. And he's he seemed He was good. He's, he's, seen... he's awesome. I think he... I don't know why. He just kind of gave me, like, Tywin vibes. Sure. To where he just kind of, like... The way he spoke, like, the cadence of the way he spoke as well is just, like, this kind of...
0: Tywin vibes without the swagger of having taken down the Targaryen dynasty right like he still has to uh, his orders way taller the you know, 10 plus dragons right something like yeah. that still I mean so he's got to be very careful uh, in his position but yeah he, he seems confident um,
1: he looks like he could fuck over somebody and not feel bad about it. I mean he sends his daughter in to basically be whored out what's
0: well, the thing like we don't again we, we set up so many like interesting threads we really don't know if because he seems like a genuine Taiwan always felt like he wanted his family to come out on top yes I'm sure the Otto does as well but he also seems like he's wanting to he doesn't seem cynical maybe yet about the the realm itself Taiwan always felt like it was a game and his family needed to always yes uh benefit from it's like Otto
1: seems like this kind of guy who does have the best interest of the king In order, as his hand, Mm -hmm. but also this fucking twerp over here, Damon. To him, he's just like, I gotta get this guy out of here, right? And that's one of the interesting things that about the episode, as well as from what I've heard of the book. The book seems to be a lot of characters' versions of things that happen, not like an indefinite thing. Like something might happen, but it's from Damon's point of view or Ranira's point of view or something. In this episode, the whole air for a day thing happens. Otto says it, but we never see... Never heard it. We never heard Damon say it, and he never admitted to saying it. He just kind of says, we all grieve in our own way. So that could be Otto just basically bullshitting and making things up completely right, on his own. Right. And that just kind of adds like a layer to his character, as well as, if, like I said, he basically whores out his daughter yeah. to the king.
0: Um, One thing we... This isn't a spoiler... But we are gonna get. A, I don't know when it happens, how it happens, whether they combine timelines. But we are gonna get a, a time jump where yes, uh, we have. Renee is gonna be uh, older. Right. Yes. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, adds a adds a unique twist to the show.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I the thing is, like, we don't even know when that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it could happen next episode, or it could happen four episodes from now. Right. And like, that's the beautiful part of the show is like there is it's gonna be this time gap. It doesn't look like it's gonna be. A massive time jump it could be like five years but still we don't know what's going to happen five years another thing i loved about the show was i think that they said there's going to be like up to 17 or 18 different dragons and like i think the whole right. the whole roll, run of the show but i think we're gonna see like nine different dragons this season and like the dragons look different like Danny's dragons great right like but they all kind of look the same mm-hmm. just different colors this one you have Rhaenyra's dragon, you have Daemon's dragon with like the long blood, you know, whatever they're calling it, like the blood.
0: It's funny, it's been, it's blood been snake. seven years since we saw Danny ride on the back mm-hmm. of Drogon for the first time. Right. And it, in retrospect, it's like, golly, it really did take just so long for those dragons to grow and then be like rideable. Right. And it's... I almost took it for granted seeing like several big ass <laughs> dragons flying around.
1: It's fucking awesome, man.
0: Again, it's like this show is uh, it's it's the perfect balance right now of familiar yet new and exciting, right? And not in like a uh, a, a way of like a, like some corporate goon is like, oh my. Well, the Game of Thrones fans really re- responded to the dragons in later seasons. Let's right. pump them into the, yeah, this. It's it's a it's a, a uh, and I won't say fully fleshed out, but it's george r R. martin's writings a creative team behind him hbo behind him wanting to make a really solid product that ultimately will hopefully stand on its own but also uh keep the the wheels turning for the game of thrones universe and lore and um you know perhaps 10 years from now hopefully less we uh we look back on and we're a bit more forgiving of uh how a game of thrones ended
1: and like that's the thing about the show is or at least this first episode is i don't feel like the show as of right now is trying to change our minds on how game of thrones ended right it's trying to create its own thing and yeah it's using game of thrones in -hmm. certain ways but it's not trying to change our mind we're like marvel had some level of successes where it's like hey we're gonna do this project now that's gonna make thor the dark world a little bit better mm-hmm. and now they, they they seem to keep on trying to do this thing and now it just doesn't really work as well for me uh, but this show to me as of right now it could all change because I was a little thrown off by the whole winter is coming thing at the end it doesn't seem to have <laughs> we like, all
0: had PTSD collectively fuck they're trying to make it better
1: <laughs> I, I don't feel like that as of now we'll see how we feel at the end of the show as at, at the end of the run but um,
0: next I, episode we're going to be introduced to a uh uh, a younger uh night king just he'll be like uh, hey what's your name that's uh first name's night oh that's funny well what's your last name king
1: right pleasure to meet you it's supposed to be like
0: yeah they're gonna go dramatic music behind it
1: they're gonna like visit the wall and all of a sudden oh we've had like 40 people disappear in the fucking like i don't know what's gonna happen but um Well, let's end with one other thing is uh, I just want to talk about the scene, the birthing scene in contrast with the jousting scene as well. Mm. I thought those kind of like worked really well together because Rainier's mother early in the episodes talks about how men's battlefield is or or men's fights are on the battlefield and Mm. women's battlefields are the birthing process. And I thought that came to fruition when we saw that episode and I like the little ads of dialogue where it's like, yeah, these guys haven't had to fight a war in so many years. Like they don't know how to do shit, basically. Right. Like the the queen, uh, what's what's the term? The queen that should be or queen be, that never was. Queen that never yeah. was. Yeah, kind of like throws that little line out there. Um, and then you know we see this element of Viserys where he's basically like so desperate to have a son hmm. that one he doesn't even know like he has a dream, but there's no way to like actually like tangibly know he's having a son but he basically decides to kill his wife in order to have this baby that ultimately is stillborn and right. doesn't survive. Uh, what'd you kind of think of the dynamic of that scene?
0: Yeah. I mean, a beautiful, uh, uh, duality there, uh, to, to both. I also liked the fact that the, the jousting felt way more, um, there was like just an epicness to it or a, a regal, quality there like in, in game of thrones it's essentially like a hut some bleachers uh <laughs> and some trees right it just seemed like yeah this was like a great kingdom that's a big uh, stage yeah exactly yeah and yeah i'm glad it uh you could easily have cut away um but i think the the scene uh you know is a is a gut punch uh and us really experiencing that loss and and the pain uh, she's got to go through before she ultimately gets that unwanted C-section, you know, it it, it yep. was Game of Thrones is why well. it's not just like violence for the sake of it. Sometimes it can be, I guess, but it's effective. I
1: don't know that whole Damon scene where he basically slaughters like half the town of criminals, where he just like cuts people's cocks off and cuts <laughs> arms off, heads off. Do we need to see
0: the cock scene? Maybe not. But <laughs> I, look, I didn't a, mind it. I didn't. I'm just saying, like, effective to where you're you're showing that again going along with other scenes with him were showing that uh, okay he's uh, he's hardcore ruthless but he's doing it for his well, ver- his version of justice is you know
1: right i mean i thought that the the whole scene of him going through the town and killing or like maiming the the, the criminals like i didn't see it as like it was like
0: let's let's have a bit of fun before the i thought the it party. added to
1: it, it added to his character I is that like the first moment that we see him in the show? Is when he's like giving the pep the pep rally speech, and then they go out and do it. That might be. That might the be first time we see him in the show.
0: I can't remember. One or
1: maybe of... the throne scene might be first, but
0: the throne scene. That's what, it, it, the throne
1: right. scene's first. We see his kind of like motivations. And th- then we after see.
0: after the the council meeting, I think we transition to that scene. If I'm not mistaken. Right. Because he's absent from it.
1: Yeah. Exactly. But like, it's one of those like introductions to who he is as a character yes that he's not afraid to you know as he said clean up the town any way possible to help his brother yes and it adds to their dynamic so but i like what you're saying that they didn't shy away from this scene i thought the way that they set it up where she's basically like in this level of like discovering what's happening to her mm-hmm. and like her acting whoever that actress is i or, don't know
0: yeah i mean it lets guess, it lets you it, uh from her perspective and Patty Constantine's, uh, it's an impossible position you're put in. Uh, Even without the context of the, like the dream he had about, and the the responsibility he feels about the future threat, just do you essentially kill your wife to try to save your baby? It's just, it's, that's what Game of Thrones does. It makes you uh, really uncomfortable at times. Right and
1: i like i said i, I like that whole scene and
0: you know i well i didn't like it i mean it's a
1: very visceral scene but game of thrones had this in in its run where you just kind of have like those like wincing kind of scenes that have the reek
0: torture uh, theon torture reek, yeah. yeah
1: um where you just kind of even like want to turn your head away and you're just kind of like fuck can this be over but like it's important it's an important scene and it it, it adds to the character of the Saris and you know his motivations at the time and it adds to the motivations of him deciding to in part make Rhaenyra Rhaenyra sorry the heir mm-hmm. so like I said like the, the episode is like an hour and 16 minutes long or like an hour and 10 with you know without the credits but I thought the episode did a lot it looked great
0: do we get a new intro that's I won't say yes. I missed it this episode because I think the prologue, then the intro, it would have. I don't know. I think we're ready for a new spin on the Game of Thrones If Not the same song, maybe the. Some similar. <laughs> tones. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, I, I I'm was- ready for something now. Now that, now that like. Uh, the show's aired and everyone seems on board. I hope we get an intro next time.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm curious about that too because the first ever episode of Game of Thrones had its intro and all of this. And I don't know if it's just going to basically be like the Targaryen symbol, whatever that was before.
0: Star Wars starts like that now. Then like the Mandalorian, it's just like the whistle noise yeah. and then dun 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 dun. Yeah, dun dun dun. exactly. Obi-Wan kind of, just like, we the don't thing. get like the fanfare. Yeah. I mean, I, don't know, I guess I wouldn't mind it, but at the same time, we haven't introduced enough of the world to necessitate like Game of Thrones starts with up in Winterfell, and then, or maybe King's Landing first, then right. Winterfell, and then we actually see Danny as well. Like uh, leagues and leagues apart. Like the, our main characters, everyone's right now. So as far as we've seen, other than Harrenhal, which is relatively close to King's Landing in one area, so right you can't really. I don't think do the map thing again. Right. You have to be a unique like maybe maybe Valyria, maybe Valyria. Going to Dragonstone. Dragonstone, some Aegon conquesting, and then we end up. Man. Did you and I just predict the intro to? Well, if we do
1: it, uh, then we're gonna come on here with the biggest dicks and brag about it. Um, but yeah, no. Look, I basically just kind of summarized my thoughts before we head out of here. Is like, I I really enjoyed the episode, and I thought it did a lot to basically like not wash away the sins, but just kind of like a refreshing. Experience in the Game of Thrones in the Westeros world, and I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it does what I wanted it to do. It makes me look forward to the season, and it mm-hmm. makes me look forward to
0: seeing episode two. The world is too good to give up on, yeah. Um, and like yeah. we talked about, like the whole like you know,
1: going back and making Game of Thrones good or whatever, they can do that shit with like the Jon Snow series whenever they make it. sure. This show doesn't have to do that. This show just basically just needs to be a really good show in Westeros that make that makes people happy and makes people positive about Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's what I want. I want when this show is over, whatever, whether it's I don't even know two months from now, whatever. I just want everybody to be kind of like eh, Game of Thrones is actually pretty cool still. Yeah, so it does that. So that's it for our first episode of recapping House of the Dragon. Hot D. Uh, we'll be back to talk about episode two following the second episode of game of thrones here so you guys should have a episode in your um podcast feed on mondays but uh, thank you guys for listening send if you have questions that you want us to answer send them in about game of thrones we'll talk about them at the end of our episodes and uh yeah appreciate you guys for listening we'll see you guys for the next one so long